0: You're listening to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namrata Bagaria.
1: Welcome to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast. My name is Namrata Bagaria and I'm your host. My guest today is Tom Weiss. Hi, Tom.
0: Hi, nice to see How you. Are
1: you.
0: I'm doing well, all things considered.
1: It's good to catch up with you. So, for our listeners, Tom and I uh, became friends through LinkedIn, I think almost two years ago now.
0: Right? At, at least two or three.
1: Not three. <laughs> Not three. Two, I think, um, I don't know something sometime around then, I don't even remember, but we became friends because at that time, I was considering a project on uh, using sensors to improve the health for diabetic foot, and uh lo behold, I found Tom through the Diabetes Canada website as a speaker for and an expert on diabetic foot, so with this short introduction of how I met Tom. <laughs> and very interesting stories which we cannot talk on the podcast. Tom, can you tell us where are you in the present health ecosystem and what are your top mandates?
0: Okay. Um, I am a retired podiatrist.
1: So you retired. <laughs>
0: retired and re-retired. Um, and I'm also a person with diabetes. Uh, and some years ago, I came to the realization that should I have a diabetic foot problem, should I develop an ongoing diabetic foot problem, the system of care that might be required was absent. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the diabetic foot is is not a big medical mystery. We know uh, what causes Uh, serious problems we know what causes less serious problems we know how to avoid the problems we know how to prevent the problems Uh, we're just not doing a whole lot of it and it's an organizational systemic problem uh,
1: that I I,
0: I've kind of uh, decided to spend my retirement uh, working on
1: and in his retirement, because of this, he ends up meeting people like me who throw him off. <laughs> <in> retirement,
0: <laughs> or give me another track to uh, push my uh, choo choo onto. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's uh, it's a serious issue. Uh, the diabetic foot. I mean, in Ontario alone, uh, and I'll I'll be using pretty scattered. Statistics. Uh, I'm afraid uh, we don't we don't have really good cohesive numbers in Canada. Again, part of the problem in Ontario alone, uh, we're doing about eight amputate six to eight amputations every single day because of diabetic problems, and easily two thirds of that, if not more, up to eighty five percent of diabetic amputations are potentially preventable. The human cost, the financial cost is just atrocious and outstanding. And where I'm pushing the hardest is that we have all the skills, we have all the knowledge, all the capabilities, everything required to do better is already at hand, it's already in the healthcare system. What is missing is the cohesiveness of making it work as a system. Part of the problem is the preventive care, the very basic care um, is done by everyone. You cut your toenails, you're in the pyramid of care. Uh, As you develop problems, you might require assistance from a healthcare nurse or a chiropodist or podiatrist. Uh, the, the two words, at least in Ontario, are fairly interchangeable. Um, and that requires you to pay up front. Now, once you develop a hole in your foot, once you develop an infection, once you require uh, an amputation the healthcare system will merrily jump in and take care of all of that. But it's not designed and it's certainly not set up to take care of preventing all of that. And I'm trying to push the system to prevent the problems before people have a hole in their foot.
1: It's interesting you mentioned this because... One of the things that's consistently come out throughout all the podcasts that we've done and a lot of our guests that we have is our focus is on technology and how technology can enhance human health and well being. And one of the key gaps in the system is prevention and how access issues and real time uh, uh, suggestions for prevention can happen through technology. And I think you and I have exchanged, I don't know, millions of papers, if not. At, at least. <laughs> yeah, like like he's the first person, uh, if, if, uh, if the people who are listening to this podcast know me and know how many emails I send and the number of papers I send, this guy outdoes me. The first time we spoke, I think he sent me like 50 or 100 <laughs> emails. And one of the reasons was he hadn't figured Google Drive attachments by then. But anyways, I'm sure with quarantine, you are upgraded with a lot of tech skills, no? You just learned? No,
0: No, I'm I'm afraid I'm still doing it uh, one by one. I've never learned how to, uh, never mind. Technology and I are never gonna be good friends.
1: But still he's adopted and he's less grumpy about it. So- This is uh, true, this is true. So for me, that was like a hoot when he said, "Oh yeah, Zoom, let's do that." I'm like, "Okay, Tom, learn Zoom. That's awesome." So <laughs> I'm sorry, this podcast is going to be more of a friendly banter than uh, a really serious podcast because I don't think Tom and I can be serious with each other, or at least I can't be serious. <laughs> not
0: for, not for long. I think I've yeah, already done one I serious bit. It for
1: five minutes to be very professional, but whatever. Yeah. So, So Tom, uh, we've talked about where you are in the ecosystem and what are the challenges. The whole challenge lies around coordination, cohesiveness. And we spoke about at some point making an app for it, which, which could potentially solve these issues. We never took it off because of various reasons. But my question to you is, let's say we go ahead and do some kind of a technological intervention like making a database, making an app or whatever. What do you think are the top challenges that we are going to face if we uh, use technological approach to solve this?
0: I think, I think one of the key obstacles is going to be the technology will be or can be very, very helpful in identifying a problem. But identifying a problem isn't the same as solving it or doing something about it. Um, there are all sorts of things uh, already out or or just kind of on the periphery, things like uh, so-called smart mats, um, where you you step on a mat, it it effectively takes the temperature of your feet because we know that in a pre-ulcerative stage, just before your foot breaks down, your foot will likely get hotter. So now you have this information what do you do with it and that's that's the linkage that I think is going to be uh, the major block um, i've I've even seen somebody uh, experimenting with uh, cooling insoles uh, granted they have to carry around the water tank on their back i'm slightly exaggerating uh, to make it work but even if that uh, that comes about, it might reduce the uh, the uh, incidence of, uh, of ulceration of uh, tissue breakdown. But you won't know that until you've got someone who knows what they're doing looking at th- at those feet. Um, it, it's the, the connections uh, that, uh, that are going to be the weak, uh, weak point.
1: I think uh, as you talk about someone looking at the feet, and this is a conversation we've had, so there are two aspects to this. One is the provider looking at the feet and coming to some kind of uh, diagnosis. So let's say telemedicine. <coughs> One of the challenges which we spoke about clearly was that even if you have the provider on the other side who's agreed, like say a chiropodist or a podiatrist, having someone to hold a camera, and I'm going to hold my phone for demo, and then putting your feet up and saying, okay, you know move it around and show me the back of your foot because a lot of stuff happens at the back of the foot and if you're someone morbidly obese or someone who cannot move enough to even turn your legs and that becomes a challenge and um, so for me uh, one of the easy things you said was just put a mirror in front of your leg and, or a foot and take a picture and those kind of conversations like because at technology level People can think of, okay, yeah, I can add infrared to the camera. I can add like a computer vision, some kind of a thing, which you can measure something. But the real practical challenge with diabetic foot at home, a care at home, is really how do you get the right, what are the right images, how many images, how many videos, and how does one sit if they're not really fit enough or capable enough to go? And even if you're fit enough, how do you capture the sole of your feet? I have no idea. So what are your
0: thoughts on that? Well, the, the best way to take, uh, take a look at the bottom of your foot is to stick it to, up to a mirror. Uh, I, I don't think uh, uh, most gymnasts and, and uh, contortionists uh, uh, have diabetic problems. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the mirror trick works very well. Uh, but again, so we see a problem the key elements to uh, preventing is offloading. In other words, if I, if I have a foot in front of me and I see, or I note, or however I perceive that one area is getting more pressure than the tissue can tolerate, which is in the end, how, how you get a breakdown. I need to offload that. In other words, I need to change the pressure patterns on the foot. I need to get the pressure off the overloaded area and spread it through the rest of the foot. Or if we get fancy into a total contact cast with the, the full leg carries a large part of the pressure, technical details, you can't do that over the phone. You can't do that over an image. If you have a breakdown, the dead tissue has to be removed, it's called debridement, or some people say debridement. Uh, You can't do that over the phone. You need to get that foot to someone who has a scalpel who knows how to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know how how we're gonna make the connections. Absolutely the first thing, the very first thing that a diabetic foot requires is attention it needs to be noticed mm-hmm. the next thing is it it needs the appropriate care and sometimes the appropriate care is oh, that that should be fine we'll see you in a year and sometimes it requires let's dive in and get to work
1: yeah i think uh i'm remembering a couple of things from our project uh, attempt last year which was um I remember you telling me if you have diabetic wear white socks and go for a walk so that if there is a challenge that you might have you can the socks will show you that you have a challenge yeah. um and the other thing I think we were talking about what if we have like because one of the things with uh, diabetes is you need to walk and we were talking about what if a step count but it comes with a notification that, uh, okay, you finished your walk and now check your feet. You know, so those kind of associations and especially if people in the product side or product development are listening to this podcast, these are tips you can give your users if you're catering a diabetic audience. And um, I think we also spoke about the possibility of having 3D printed smart insoles because a lot of insoles are cast in a way and you have to go to the, you have to go to the, podiatrist or chiropodist, and the whole conversation around that was what if you could take it from the smart insoles your measurement and then order a 3d print where there is some kind of a mechanism where it's verified by the podiatrist and it's not too expensive for them to own the 3d printer or have a central place where the 3d printer could be located and distribution would happen this is attempts of our business which we have at some point that i mean
0: that 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 concept uh, concerns me somewhat because uh, you you can always go to the drugstore and get uh, an insert or uh, you can you can pay uh, more money and have it called an orthotic, uh, but what you get uh, as a non-prescription orthotic is quite different from what I would have given you and what you would get from from a a foot care specialist. Uh, Unfortunately, the reality is the term uh, orthotics is not a protected term. In other words, literally anyone, or even their pets, uh, can open a store tomorrow morning and start selling orthotics.
1: And that's a business idea for your cats.
0: My my cat's almost eighteen years old. She's not going into business. She's a, more retired than I am.
1: <laughs> and really retired, not fake retired.
0: <laughs> Correct. Uh, but but you need you need specialized knowledge to be able to do orthotics right because uh, a poorly made orthotics can cause harm.
1: You know, it's interesting you say this because, firstly. Um, in my own personal life, foot care was not an agenda. I trained as a doctor. We were never taught foot care. We were taught diabetic foot because I trained in India, and we did see a lot of diabetic foot. Um, I think if I have to even boil it down to technologies and prevention, just talking about it, like a simple podcast like this, what we are doing, and giving it to, just giving it to people to listen is the first step because there is no social marketing or there is no awareness like diabetic people understand they need to exercise or eat better or less stress. Now they understand that smoke less. Some, some people get that, but foot care. So there are multiple, multiple issues. The concept is not marketed though. It's known it's not marketed. There is no, uh, sort of, uh, okay, if we do it, what's the preventive health guideline? Forget having a tech on top of that. Like I've seen like things which you get, but you get them when you're already diabetic and with a diabetic foot and you're at the hospital and you get that pamphlet. And if that was something earlier, I remember you told me that I think five to 10 years before you actually get it, you start developing uh, those kind of uh, symptoms towards that like, uh, you know, so. Um, or sim- or risks towards getting diabetic foot, and for me, I think when I look at technologies, the easiest thing today is either social media or podcasting, and one of the things we can do is 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 have targeted marketing but But the next question becomes is in Canada, especially, mm-hmm. this is found in the elderly population, and then that 's not a population which is all the time clued in through different technologies. Mm-hmm. Maybe a radio thing or uh, maybe an old-fashioned pamphlet distribution in older homes or like, I don't know. And given that in COVID, uh, we've had seen overall a lot of neglect of every other thing, including elder care and including diabetic care in general, forget diabetic foot care. Um, What is your your two cents on a post-COVID diabetic foot ecosystem?
0: Well, we're we're already seeing the results of uh, COVID. I've seen several uh, reports uh, from a number of countries that indicated uh, that the number of amputations, diabetic amputations, is up in in just the what five six months we've had uh, COVID around because the preventive care is not uh, getting done, uh, which. Just totally reinforces how preventable uh, diabetic foot amputations are. Um, I mean, ideally, the best way to get rid of diabetic foot problems is to get rid of diabetes. Yeah, we're working on that. Next, uh, we know that I've seen I've seen statistics that say anywhere from fifteen to thirty-five of people with diabetes uh, will develop an ulceration in their lifetime. Generally speaking, we use around 25%. So one person in four with diabetes can expect to have uh, an ulceration in their foot. And within five years, approximately 60% of those ulcers will recur even after uh, they've so-called healed we're actually no longer using the term uh, a healed ulcer. It's in remission because uh, just like uh, if you have cancer uh, and they make the cancer go away, they don't call you healed. They call you in remission because you don't know. Finding much the same. Uh, Diabetic foot ulcers, have a higher mortality rate than some of the most common uh, cancers Mm -hmm. so having a foot ulcer is more likely to uh, cause you to die than uh, prostate cancer breast cancer Um, there's a whole 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 slew i i I don't have all, all of those but we're, we're not saying that you're healed from an ulcer, you're, you're only in remission. And I don't like the odds of one in four. Even a one in 40 would not make me happy because there's so much we can do to prevent yeah. it from, ever, from stopping the first ulceration. That's the key. And that's where all the technology uh, can come in in identifying the problem before it becomes a problem.
1: And what would those symptoms be pre ulceration? Because this is useful for both developers and for audience who are lay, lay consumers. So.
0: Uh, the, the simplest uh, thing is uh, uh, number one, you have to watch out for two other things that very commonly occur with diabetes. One is neuropathy, so the loss of uh, sensation, the loss of feeling. Uh, what that means is you can have a wound, and not feel it. That's not a good thing. Pain is a friend. Pain is your body's way of telling you something's wrong. Yeah. And if you don't have pain, you keep walking on that open sore until it becomes a great big open sore, and you have a great big problem instead of a little problem. And we uh, have
1: philosophers like Rumi who've written books and poems on pain as a friend. So
0: pain exactly. Is a little- uh, the other thing is uh, vasculopathy. In other words, uh, the blood supply, uh, nothing will heal properly if uh, if you don't have a sufficient uh, blood supply. So vascular surgeons, uh, vascular labs are critical in, in the process. Um, on a more simpler level, what you're looking for is any signs that one part of the foot is getting more stressed than the other. Whether it's temperature or callus buildup or corns, all of these are signs of excess stress. And tissue breaks down from receiving more stress than tissue can tolerate. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And and as you say about this um, for our listeners, until I met this man, I never bothered about my feet. And I have three things that I've done. If I tell him, he might jump off this chair. So I have cracks on the heel, which I don't even uh, use the pumice thorn. okay. And I got something the other day, look at him hiding. Um, I do have callus a little bit there. Uh, I have no idea how to rub it off. And you know, I'm training in Kathak, which is the traditional Indian dance where you stamp your feet. So I need my feet because I really have to stamp them hard when I do what I do in my dancing. And the third thing I told him, I gave myself a pedicure and he really almost like shrieked like, what did you do? <laughs> and so for people, if you think having good foot care is actually going to the salon or spa or wherever you go to get your pedicure, it's not. It's very simple. It's it's uh, soaking your feet and rubbing pumice stones, things like, why don't you enlighten everyone, including me? And I try to make this a habit. It's a difficult habit to make, uh, but nevertheless, it's needed. So.
0: Okay, so callus is just that tissue, and it just comes from uh, a combination of friction and compression, and it's the body's way of trying to protect itself uh, from too much stress. So if you start uh, running marathons, odds are you'll have a little bit of callus, and a little bit of callus under those type of circumstances isn't a major problem it becomes a problem if the callus becomes too thick and inflexible and it cracks. Because once you've got a crack in the callus, you've broken through the epidermis and the epidermis, the skin is the number one protector of your body. It's what keeps all the bad stuff out. And no matter what you do, I can assure you your feet are dirty. (laughs)
1: Thanks. <laughs> but remember, I told you I wanted to go and get like a, what did you, what was that word you said? Just a routine checkup foot care uh-huh. and you said the chiropodist would be super happy and then COVID happened and there was no way of me going there. So we had that conversation like six months ago or more. I really was inspired. I wanted to go get a regular foot check and then COVID happened and I never went. Maybe now things have opened up. I can go.
0: T- timing is everything, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, So if you have a little bit of callus, the first thing you want to use is a pumice stone. Yeah. Um, a pubis, pubis would it
1: not work having the, um, the the steel rub thing which comes, that's not a stone, the other thing? Comes
0: the yeah, you want to be careful about steel rubby things <laughs> because the last thing you want to do is go too far, too, okay. go too deep. Uh, the nice thing about a pumice stone is it crumbles as you use it Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's a volcanic stone it's the stone that floats Um, and uh, you just rub it, now one key thing is if you have a crack in your foot, if you have a callus with a crack, you go along the line of the crack you don't go across the crack because if you catch the outer edge then you're just ripping yourself open. And that's exactly what we're trying to prevent. So get it down to a manageable amount. A little bit, as I said, can be protective. Um, And then you wanna moisturize it. Yeah. Because that helps keep it flexible. It's the flexibility, as in so much of life, uh, being flexible uh, really comes in handy.
1: That I am, adaptable and flexible. And in fact, uh, I found something in the dollar store, and you're going to again do this, but it says hydrating socks and hydrating uh, uh, hand gloves. So I figured, because, you know, when you put cream and walk, you're going to slip, so you wear socks. And uh, so, yeah, there's something in the dollar store, which I found. I have it in my bag. I haven't opened it yet, though I got it like two weeks ago. My intention is there. (laughs) My action is there
0: again again you you have to target the right thing the right way you don't want too much you don't want to uh macerate the tissue uh I I, I call it uh, dishpan toes uh if if you ever sweat your if your feet sweat a lot and you and you're not careful you might see the tissue especially between the toes it turns white and and uh, gets gets a little crumbly again what you're doing is leading to breakdown of of the skin, and that's a really important thing to avoid mm-hmm. so i'm I'm leery about the, the socks because i you can't control how much lotion you put where and for how long you want to put a little bit of lotion, you want to rub it into the skin you don't want to just slop it on on the, the top um, Usually I recommend something with uh, urea, eight to 12% is is, uh, fairly safe. But urea is is what we call hydrophilic. It, It attracts and holds moisture. So if you just put it on top of the skin, it'll actually draw the moisture out. If you rub it into the skin, it'll hold the moisture in the skin. So a urea-based cream, I've uh, I found to be uh, very I have no good.
1: Idea what my creams contain. So see, this is the level of ignorance I have, and I'm I'm someone who's so proudly educated, but yeah, I'm still ignorant. So, until until I met Tom, I didn't know what feet are, um, or how important they are, in fact. And Tom, there's another thing that we were talking about, uh, which uh, dives in the natural thing, the motivation to do this, like whenever you have problems. One of the motivations personally is, uh, well, if you don't lose your limb, you can do a lot of things. So that's a personal motivation for most people, but that doesn't get to there. It's not like, it's not like a heart attack or something which people understand because it's more frequently seen than amputation uh, for common people, but we know from data that the most common reason for ICU visit is actually diabetic foot, not even heart or stroke related issues. So uh, as a system, and we spoke about this, the dollars of prevention versus the dollars to actually costing the system on a daily basis. So people highlight that. And that's really the motivation to have people come either through listening to this podcast or otherwise come together and create something which can help prevent
0: Another way of of, uh, talking about daycare is if you wanna keep your taxes low, uh, take care of your feet because it's uh, so expensive uh, to take care of the problems and it's a whole lot cheaper to prevent them. Um, You can look at it several ways. Uh, Take care of your feet because you've got nothing else to walk on. Uh, I don't think people can go for a long stroll on their hands, at least not the majority. We're back to those bloody gymnasts again.
1: Um, and I think another thing that I want to highlight, because um, this podcast has a wide listenership. And our, so it's most heard in Canada where people do wear shoes, but second most heard in India where people wear sandals because it's really hot or it's yeah. raining or something or the other. And if you're a diabetic, you need to really wear shoes, not just sandals, you know, and orthotic shoes, not even just regular shoes. And that's one of the messages I wanna give, especially to my family members, not all of them, but some of them who are diabetic, please wear orthotic shoes if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, I've told you otherwise, you don't listen to me so well. If this public shaming works, great. Uh- <laughs> and,
0: and if you're wearing shoes, you should—you really, really should wear socks. Yes. Uh, I'm actually even a proponent of the, the uh, fashion pol- f- faux pas, rather of wearing socks with sandals uh, if you're diabetic. And one of the reasons I'm, I so much urge people who are diabetic to wear, uh, wear shoes uh, is particularly if they're neuropathic, if they can't feel, because I will bet dollars to donuts, everyone will knock their toes into something at some time or another
1: and don 't spend your dollars in donuts because that'll worsen your diabetes that, that
0: will worsen your okay <laughs> granted <laughs> i 'll find another phrase to use but if you're if you 're going to be kicking walls, I want the shoe to take the the force not uh, not your foot yeah. Um,
1: yeah i think I think as we come towards the closing of this uh, podcast, especially. My my takeaway so far that has been listening to what we've been talking is is sometimes in technology we want to simplify we want to simplify either a data input or we want to simplify a method of managing some kind of how hobby I'm saying habit Um, I'm so much into hobbies now (laughs) just in my mind. but sometimes some issues are so simple but the delivery of those issues are complex like diabetic food and uh, if any any app maker out there because is listening to this or uh, um or an investor is listening chasing diabetic foot alone may not be a great business proposition when you look at what you're trying to do but having it as a niche delivery point or segment as a customer segment can definitely make a difference, because this is one of the issues. Tom, remember we were discussing that the numbers are so tiny in terms of uh, how many people can use the product that we will make. But those little people, and I think that was the what was the number they use the maximum amount of systems resources. What was that?
0: I I don't recall. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, it is. It is like. In chronic disease patients, repeated hospitalizations causes more than like the 80% of your healthcare resources are used by a few people, and the rest are using 20% of it. Yeah, that kind of a thing. And this is all just approximations, not exact data. And this is where diabetic foot and issues like diabetic foot come in because it's not it's not like heart attack. It's not like stroke. It's it's even worse than that. Frankly speaking, it needs regular dressing, regular care, regular um, actually by appointment pedicures uh, with the with a and this is in places where it's available. No pedicures.
0: No, we don't we don't use the word pedicure. Please and thank you. you. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: routine foot care.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, r- routine care. A pedicure has an aesthetic uh, version uh, that uh, that we uh, we try to avoid. Um, early in my practice, I did have one, one, uh, uh lovely, uh, elderly lady ask me if I uh, also paint toenails and I said, no, this is a medical practice. So I don't do that. And, and I wasn't thinking because I was in private practice. I should have said, yes, I do, but I really charge a lot for it, <laughs> but I, uh, no, I, we, I, I didn't do that. Um.
1: Awesome. So Tom, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. I hope our listeners have learned quite a few things about diabetic foot and technologies. And Tom, this was not about technology. It was about really the issues that go in the ecosystem to deliver something.
0: Yeah. Nam, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, I hope we've raised at least as many questions as we've answered.
1: I hope so. And and, uh, we hope that uh, people who are listening to this make this podcast especially viral because other things you can always find online. But this is something curated with a lot of hard work and leading to a lot of. uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, it is hard work for Tom. He learned how to use Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) And for me that he replied to my email and uh, he continued meeting me. So it's, it's, it's a lot of friendship that went into getting this podcast actually happening. Um, and I'm very grateful. And it's always good to see you, Tom. And I'm going to be seeing you soon in person in Toronto. So, so thank you.
0: A pleasure. We should do this again. You're listening to... Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namrata Bhagaria.